being sent by the FBI. And uh, wrong way, Lou Rafino, it's not the FBI of Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., the TV show that we watched when we were young Huckleberries, by the way, produced and controlled by the fiend J. Edgar Hoover at that time. But the FBI oftentimes works with the Justice Department in vetting out political corruption. In fact, there's an entire wing of the U.S. Attorney's Office that deals with that white-collar crime alone. And we saw them jump into action last Thursday at approximately 8 o'clock in the morning after Eric Adams had done an Instagram on the shuttle flight he was taking from LaGuardia to D.C. to meet at... The White House, with other mayors, congressional delegations, and White House staff about the migrant issue. At approximately 8.05, the FBI helicopter hovered over the brownstone occupied by Brianna Suggs. Eighty FBI agents came out of every nook, cranny, and corner. They closed off the street. They went running into the building, and they began taking out not only boxes of information that had been uh, collected, but also all the technological equipment, cell phones, laptops, any communicational devices, uh, all in the custody of the FBI. And everybody was saying, who is this Brianna Suggs? Who is this Brianna Suggs? Well, we come to find out, 25-year-old, woman who is in charge of fundraising for the uh, committee that elected Eric Adams mayor, which he ran in a heated Democratic primary with ranked choice voting and then against me in the general election, and has since gone on to raise $2.5 million for his re-election. Boy, is that chutzpah, is that uh, coulions, already assuming he's entitled to re-election. But in total... Where do I believe that this Brianna Suggs raised $18 million? Now, her only claim to fame within the inner circle of Eric Adams, who always keeps everyone close to him, whether they're family members, whether they married uh, people who are in the administration, it's all very incestuous in order to keep the uh, the green wall up to prevent any... Inc- uh, any uh, any sort of uh, leaks, so to speak, is Ingrid Lewis Martin. 
Ingrid Lewis Martin is the gatekeeper. She has no official title at City Hall. In fact, I know they listen every day to me because I have rats at City Hall who give me information that drives them absolutely out of their minds. Well, here's some more information. Ingrid and the rest of you, I know it's going to drive you uh, to wonder who the hell is talking to Curtis Lee. Don't worry about who's talking to me. You got to be worried about who's talking to the FBI. My guys and gals are little pishers, little schmendricks compared to the FBI investigation. Because I will bet you that this woman, Brianna Suggs, while she sat on the stoop with her father at the Brownstone in Crown Heights, made one call, and the FBI permitted her to do that so they could track the call, to her godmother, Ingrid Lewis Martin. So the initial question is, why did Eric Adams, the moment he landed in D.C., decided to do a pirouette, a pivot and shift, and come right back and go right to uh, City Hall? Today, for the first time in days, he allowed these uh, off-topic questions, as he calls it, once a week. And he answered the question of why he came back from a meeting that he had been uh, hoping for for months at the White House to discuss the migrant crisis. I had a 25-year-old staffer that I saw grow up as a intern that had a traumatizing experience in her life. There was a professional part of maintaining, uh, you know, my staff and my city, but I think sometimes we miss the fact that there's a human part to life. As a human being, I was concerned about a young 25-year-old staffer that went through a traumatic experience. And although I'm mayor, I have not stopped being a man and a human. Let me get this straight. She's not a member of the administration. She has no function in running the city. Uh, she's traumatized, no doubt. Any any 25-year-old, 45-year-old, 65-year-old would be traumatized uh, FBI helicopter hovering overhead, 80 agents running all over, blocking the street, taking out all of your materials out of your building, your apartment. Of course, anybody's going to be traumatized. Why couldn't he have just stayed there a few hours? That's all he was expected to be there. Fly back later and have his campaign team deal with it, the lawyer for his campaign or whatever. But I, I believe that she picked up that phone and the FBI let her use that phone and called her godmother, Ingrid Lewis-Martin, who was at City Hall, and said, Ingrid, along with her father right next to her, I'm not going to jail for this. I am not going to jail for this. You better have the mayor deal with this. I, I'm too young. And you know it ain't me that raised the money. It's Frank Caron. I'm just the front. I'm just a 25-year-old who graduated from Brooklyn College who was an intern uh, for Eric Adams at Brooklyn Borough Hall, I'm not taking the rap for this. Actually, it's traumatic. Well, this was Eric Adams' response to that just moments ago. The I did not speak with uh, Brianna the day of the incident because I didn't want to give any uh, appearance of interference. Whoa, 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 whoa. You rush back from Washington, D.C. because she's traumatized, and you expect us to believe this bull feathers that you did not talk to us. So what did you need to be back in New York City so quick? 
Uh, let me have the full answer. Maybe I can understand it in the context of the way he said it. The I did not speak with uh, Brianna the day of the incident because I didn't want to give any um, appearance of interference. Uh, and I wanted to be clear on that. And I was notified by campaign uh, teams that reached out to me and, and notified me. Uh, the uh, details of my interaction with the council of of the campaign, the compliance council, uh, while this is a an ongoing inquiry. Now, now, at that moment, he was cut off by the lawyer from the city corporation council, a woman, I forget. She replaced uh, McGuire, the former police commissioner's son, who served in that role for a year. She cut the mayor right off. Nobody does that to the mayor at a press conference. And she was like cleaning up what he had just said, which was two different answers as to why he decided to pull up and leave that meeting in Washington, D.C. And by the way, he's been hunkered down uh, in his, um, I guess we could call it his bunker. I know what he's been doing, shredding shredding paperwork, uh, just like Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North did with Fawn Hall back in 1987 in the midst of Iran-Contra. He doesn't trust anybody. Uh, his phone, not dealing with the personal phone he has. He knows the FBI has probably bugged it. He's got burner phones. I know that. And people would say, how do you know? Well, I have an agreement with our boss, John Katzmatidis. If I'm wrong, I'm gone. The guy is in hibernation. He's in trouble. He's going to try to rope and dope his way out of it. Uh, before we continue. We got to talk about the letters. Could I have uh, the David Letterman theme song again? Wrong way, Lou Rafino, just to sort of uh, get you into the groove of why people would be receiving letters from the FBI who were close to Eric Ulrich. Well, nobody getting these letters is going to love it. First off, the Justice Department is required to notify you that your conversations were listened to by the FBI. It doesn't matter what kind of a case it is. Uh, Even if this never results in a prosecution, they must, by letter, inform you. So as of last night, it was after 12 midnight. I was watching election results, pretty much knew uh, which of my candidates had won, which had lost, just uh, consoling some of them. And I was giving confirmation that the FBI had notified people close to Eric Ulrich, the former buildings commissioner of the city of New York, who owes a vig to the Bonanno crime family of about $600,000 because he's a degenerate gambler, was put in that position. Uh, after being the county leader for the Republicans in Queens and uh, also city councilman who was replaced uh, after he was term-limited out by Joanne Ariola. So they were informed by letter that the FBI has been listening to their conversations by phone. It does not mean that they themselves are a target. That's what the FBI lets you know. But Justin Ellick, somebody like yourself who's never dealt with this, would be like, well, maybe I should call him. I, I didn't do anything wrong. 
and they see, are you going to get in touch with them? And then if you lawyer up, like a Frank Morano would with all of his mob lawyer friends over something like this, uh, let me get a mob lawyer friend of mine, then they realize, uh-oh, we got something here. We got something here. But remember, go back months when I talked about it, and I said to Sid, do not talk to Eric Ulrich. He lives out there with him in the Rockaways. The guy is wired up like a Christmas tree. I've been saying that for months. Councilman Joe Borelli, South Shore, minority leader in the city council. I told uh, everybody on the radio, do not talk to Eric Ulrich. So Joe Borelli, the one up me, comes on with Sid the next day and says, I talk to him once a week by phone. How stupid is that? This guy's a rat. He's eating the Parmesan cheese. The FBI has been all over the Rockaways questioning men. Why did you loan Eric Ulrich money? So that means they found out from Eric Ulrich. He's cooperating with the FBI. He's already been indicted by Alvin Bragg on a series of corruption charges, political corruption charges. And now the FBI and the U.S. attorney are involved. Better believe he's cooperating. Wired up like a Christmas tree. And you idiots out there, you talk to him on the phone. Especially Republicans that I have warned because, let's face it, they don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. They want a notch on their belt. Stupid. And remember what the mayor said to Eric Ulrich when Eric Ulrich attended a meeting of construction firms in the Bronx. This was two months before Alvin Bragg's detectives picked him up outside of his apartment in the Rockaways and took him and questioned him. And I know they took the chip out of his phone and put a new chip in. And the very next day, Eric Ulrich quit. Well, two months before that, the mayor himself, accompanied by Eric Ulrich and his brother at the time, Bernard, who was part of his police detail, said to Eric Ulrich, watch your back and watch your phones. So the mayor already knew that Eric Ulrich was under surveillance. Obviously, there was a leak. So his brother Bernard, that's why his brother is there to clean up stuff, took Eric Ulrich's phone, took the chip out, and put a new chip in. So Eric Ulrich is like used to people taking his uh, chips, I mean taking his phone, because he's nothing but, uh, let's face it, a Pee Wee Herman. This guy can't do time. Come on. He can't do time. Ha! So imagine, you're Eric Orange. First, the mayor takes your phone, takes the chip out. Bernard does, puts a new chip in so they can find out who's been talking to you. Then two months later, Alvin Bragg, by the way, friend of Eric Adams, takes your phone, takes the chip, puts a new chip in so that they know everybody you've been talking to. You get indicted on major charges of political corruption, and now the feds are involved, the FBI. So now you know the rest of the story. Uh, but I understand that James Flippin wanted to ask a question because he has the right to since I messed up on the Jersey elections and I had to do my mayor copas and apologize to you and Norm Lading, our two Jersey guys. Uh, I apologize, but you had a very good question. Yeah, well, it's only right that you let me interrupt considering that fact. And I was curious, I actually just sent an email to one of our contacts over in City Hall asking why there was a wellness check done at the home of Brianna Suggs, per reports, the night before that raid was done last Thursday. And specifically, I'm wondering why the Internal Affairs Bureau would have been involved 
in that wellness check concerning, you know, as far as I know, Brianna Suggs is not a member of the NYPD. Nor anybody else in that building. Uh, let me explain how it was done. And you're right. The Internal Affairs Bureau of the Police Department only does a wellness check when they think a police officer might be very depressed, might be on the verge, God forbid, of taking his or her own life, which happens sometimes. And that's good that they do that. So Internal Affairs calls the 77th Precinct and asks the two uniformed police officers go over to the building that Brianna Suggs lives in, which is owned by her father and mother, and do a wellness check. But really, it's not a wellness check. What they ask for is, tell us who are the people that are in the building now and what floor are they on? So the cops at the 77th Precinct, these are uniformed cops, uh, do their duty and call internal affairs and let them know who was in the building at that time. I know what happened. Internal affairs then sent a team and they swept the building for bugs because clearly Eric Adams already knew that there was an investigation. Somebody had tipped him off. It's, it's common, uh, whether through the Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney's Office, or the FBI. So internal affairs can put bugs in, James Flippin, and they can also sweep for bugs. Now, you might say, why would somebody who's in charge of internal affairs want to break the rules and jeopardize his job, his pension? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he's there due to Phil Banks, who is the deputy mayor of public safety. Little story here. You need to know the backstory. So the ex-NYPD chief of department, Phil Banks, became an unindicted co-conspirator in 2014 because he was linked to illegal liquor distribution rings and he earned money from rental incomes that were listed in the names of family members and he would constantly launder money the way drug dealers do in the street. You know how they do that, flipping? They go to ATM machines, they put deposits in. They go to another ATM machine, they take it out. That's how they launder street money. And he would do that constantly. So... A day before, excuse me, the day before he quit in 2014, he said, oh, I quit because I don't want to be the first deputy commissioner. I should have been the police commissioner. That's what Charlene de Blasio wanted, the wife of Bill de Blasio. Uh, Probably the only smart thing that Bill de Blasio did was not listen to Charlene then. He appointed uh, Bill Bratton, which was an insurance policy because Let's face it, if there was a weakness at that point in the public advocate, it was all about crime. So all of a sudden, Phil Banks is gone. Eric Adams revives him, makes him part of his transition team after he beats me. And the first thing he does, flipping, the first thing, he's not even the deputy mayor of public safety yet. He's part of the transition team. He goes into the IAD head's office, a guy named Resnick. Joseph Resnick, and he says, guess what? You're over the age where you can work here. You're gone. So you might as well start packing your bags and get out of here, take your pension, and go wherever you're going to go. Because when I'm deputy mayor of public safety, you ain't going to be around. And that's exactly what Resnick did. Now, why is that important? Because the day before Banks called it quits at the NYPD, the FBI sought a wiretap to listen in on his phone conversations, and it was Resnick, head of the Internal Affairs Bureau, who aided the FBI probe. 
So now have you connected all the dots, uh, James Flippin, or is that too complicated for you? No, I mean, makes sense to me, the way you lay it out, uh, to the extent that that's members, accurate. Members of the jury, uh, do you find uh, Eric Adams, the mayor, innocent or guilty as slew as judge? Guilty, 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 guilty. I'm telling you, Eric Adams always thought he'd be going to the White House at some point as a uh, second black president in the United States, at least his, uh, his uh, inner circle convinced him of that. And instead, I guarantee you, this guy is going to the big house in chains and shackles. He put on a miserable performance today after uh, being in his bunker for four days answering questions from the press. And I know what a lot of other people don't know. Remember, I know where the bones are buried and who buried them, Eric Adams. So it's time when you mess up, you fess up. This is the Riffin' Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. From the river to the sea. And we've heard those chants all over the country this past weekend in Washington, D.C., thousands in the streets, but also throughout our tri-state area and especially in the city of New York. If we can trace it, uh, it was October 7th. There was the pogrom engineered by the ruling government in Gaza, Hamas, the largest terrorist organization there also, against the Jews in South Israel. They slaughtered, they kidnapped, they took hostages, they came back. That's an act of war. The next day, BB declares war against Hamas, the ruling government of the Gaza. The very next day in Times Square, you remember I reported that I walked over in the, through Times Square to come to WABC, and I saw on one side there were the pro-Israel uh, demonstrators. They had their Israeli flags. They're yelling at the pro-Palestinian demonstrators. And that's the one, uh, the front page of the Post, remember, where one of the Palestinian supporters dressed in, with the uh, shmata on her head uh, and the kafia was showing the Nazi sign on her cell phone. And uh, immediately everybody was turning against the DSA, Democratic uh, Socialists of America, who had called for that demonstration. But they were not knocked down, no. They recovered, they organized, and they put boots on the ground. First, in Astoria, they brought out 5,000 from the neighborhood in Astoria where these folks live. Some of them are Arabic, others are hipster and millennials, whites who happen to live in the area, wearing the kafiyas, some of them even wearing the, uh, wearing the green scarfs over their head of Hamas. And they were singing that song. 5,000 as they went along Steinway Street, which is considered Little Egypt, uh, right to Astoria Boulevard, a block away from the 114th Precinct. They rolled strong. And then you saw the demonstration two Saturdays ago uh, on um, Fifth Avenue in Bay Ridge, another 5,000 from the predominantly Arabic-speaking uh, community 
in Bay Ridge. It's been there since uh, before World War One. They've been there for a long time. And many of the white hipsters and millennials who have moved in there. And in that one, they had a clash with the police as they tried to get over the 3rd Avenue. The cops put up a horseshoe, which is blockage. Thank God they did. A Saturday night, all the Irish bars, the gin mills on 3rd Avenue, there would have been fights galore. So we had a situation yesterday, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I get this advisory, flood election day for Gaza, Tuesday, November 7th, 3 o'clock City Hall. And remember James Flippin, I said, City Hall, it's closed on election day. Why would they be there? And then I saw some video, and boy, about a good two, 3,000 of them there, uh, you know, dressed uh, with the schmantas on their head and the, uh, the kafirs. And it said, our vote is for the people and the people stand with Palestine, sponsored by within our lifetime. That's the main radical organizers. Existence is resistance. Decolonize this place. And another group, I don't even know the pronunciation. So apparently, remember, we, you and I were looking at this. Right. Why yeah. would they be a city hall? You no, know, you immediately wondered why. I mean, we're sitting here chatting with uh, Get Me the Sound, Bobby Brown, and, you know, figuring out what's going on with the afternoon news. And you're saying, why why city hall for this rally? And then I realized the R train is right there, the city hall station. And since such a large number of them are from Bay Ridge, they would go back to Bay Ridge and they would vote. Because Justin Brannon, remember, was having really bad days leading up to his election yesterday. When I looked at the analytics this morning, he overwhelmingly won Bay Ridge. Now, he was going to win Bay Ridge anyway because Bay Ridge has changed. But, I mean, overwhelmingly. So these folks went into those voting booths, and they voted for Justin Brannon. Probably some of them wearing the kaffiyeh and the buttons that say Palestine uh, free, free Palestine. Now, the one election I followed up, as you folks know, is in Astoria. Kelly Klingman is our Republican candidate, our animal welfare candidate, running against Tiffany Caban, the mini-me of AOC, uh, who led some of these pro-Palestinian demonstrations. And I noticed as I went to 30th Street and 30th Avenue, right by Athens Plaza, there are two schools there. It's right in the middle of where the socialists live. And the place was packed. The voting booths were packed. And I had some conversation. And, you know, some of them would say, oh, you're a Zionist right here. Take Tiffany Caban's info. I'd say, okay, I don't live here, and I wouldn't vote for Tiffany Caban anyway. They knew that. But there were a lot of them. And I realized they didn't just leave their apartment buildings in the surrounding area of Astoria going right on up to Astoria Park, where a lot of socialists live. But they had come from this rally because some of them were talking about that. So James Flippin, it turned out, a brilliant measure of organizing on their part to bring all their supporters from the city, where they're heaviest in Bay Ridge and heaviest in Astoria, instruct them to go and vote on that day for the, the candidates who support the Palestinian cause, or, or Jews for Justice, Jews for Hamas, whatever, all those uh, organizations. And they did. And I think that's why you saw Justin Brannon beat Eric Kagan and why you saw Caban beat uh, my candidate, Kelly Klingman. So, you see, I think now we know the rest of the story. These people know how to organize. They're young. They're aggressive. They're going to try to beat you at the ballot box, not just in terms of street protests.
Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Great song, Joe Walsh. It is the theme song for the Warriors. For any of you who want to know what it was like in the subways when I first started the Guardian Angels back in 1979, boy, that is the perfect period piece. It is a subculture classic now. The Warriors, about gangs in the subways. But in this case, we're moving back in time to almost like a, a Bronson-like situation that occurred, remember, in uh, the famous Death Wish, uh, what was it, trilogy, four, five, I think they went five Death Wish movies. But the classic one was him on the subway, where he was attempting to bait uh, a thug into trying to mug him. And then, remember, he shot him. This was a little different. This was real life. First off, it just so happens that earlier in the day, I was uh, going from uh, Grand Central on the shuttle to Times Square, and I passed a robot who's in a pen right there on 42nd Street, Robbie Robot. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. No, Will Robinson. Danger. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. No, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. All right, enough, enough. So anyway, he's in a pen. He's behind police uh, wooden barriers, always protected by two uniformed cops. What a waste of uh, manpower. And it's a joke. And the reason they're there, this is supposed to be a robot patrolling the 42nd Street Times Square subway stations on rollers, is that they're afraid it'll be graffitied. They're afraid that somebody will tip it over, and they're afraid if it's on a platform, somebody will throw it into an oncoming train, which is possible. But this has to do with a Bronson-like situation last night, about 9 o'clock. There's a homeless guy from the Bellevue shelter. He's pushed the emergency door open to let a woman in, and uh, the woman gets into an argument with him. She He tries to steal her pocketbook. This uh, Good Samaritan intervenes. He sees this going on. There are pictures of him. He's either uh, light-skinned Hispanic or Caucasian. I can't quite make it out. And apparently he fired a shot at the guy who was robbing the woman and then fled into the darkness of the night. Now, is this a uh, Bernard Getz kind of situation? Well, it's not for people. It's not Troy Canty, James Ramsour, Barry Allen, and uh, I forget the other guy. It's one guy, but he's on the lam. Now, this uh, guy at 42nd Street who stays at the Bellevue Shelter was taken into custody with charges pending. Don't know what he was charged with. Apparently, the woman is okay, but the vigilante is on the run having done a Charles Bronson in one of the busiest subway stations in the city of New York with a robot who's supposed to be patrolling it, some idiotic idea by Eric Adams 
the swagger man with no plan who thinks that the robot's going to fight crime. No, we need more cops on active patrol, not robots, not drones, not any other kind of technology.